excuse, well, first letter of John. And uh, we're in between time periods. Next week, we're either going to start on Hosea or the theme of the Exodus, not the entire book of the Exodus. Uh, I have a tendency to go a long time with sermons. We did the gospel according to Mark for 88 weeks. It's only 15 chapters long. Um, and so people say kind of hurry it up a little bit. There are a few of you who are like, no, slow it down. Um, we're not going to go through the whole book of the Exodus. We're going to follow the theme of the Exodus. So if you have any input, to be honest, right now, Hosea's leading. It's one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. It's just amazing. Uh, but tell me about it. Otherwise, tonight is a one-timer. And for those of you who are guests, you have come on Tithing Sunday, which is not typically your most favorite sermon of the year. Uh, but it's going to be a little different uh, because tithing here is a little different. Uh, we're one of the few churches around that usually isn't hurting for money, and that's because of the fact that we don't spend a lot of money. We're dirt cheap on a whole. Um, 13% of everything that's given actually goes to missions automatically. That's not including the money that goes to Nicaragua for feeding kids. That's in addition to that. But 13% of every dollar that comes in goes to missions automatically. And then we do more than that. Um, but for the last year, we actually have been in the positive. Uh, we started up not quite five years ago. And we started with savings that had been built up by uh, a few of us having tithe uh, or given offerings to support that and put it into the savings. And for the first three years of tapestry, we lost money every month, which is not a sustainable way of doing things. And we don't spend a lot, but we lost money every month. And this past year, it's been the opposite. You, you, know, you guys have been giving, and that means we actually give more to missions and such. And um, leadership team, which is the, our elder board is called the leadership team, basically. We met this week, and what we found out was that uh, we try to keep a minimum of $5,000 in the checking account if there's an emergency or something. And instead of having a minimum of $5,000, uh, we had uh, about $12,000, and we thought we would have actually less than that. Uh, we are real picky on the finances. It's just uh, we've been, there's been giving more than we thought. And uh, so what I love about our leadership team, and this is true not just of those who are presently on it, but those who have been on it because they helped set the tone for it, was the first thing that popped up was, well, we should do something with that. Not we should do something with that in the sense of we should blow every last dime on it and not we should do something with that on like, oh, we should spend money on the church. But it was instead we should do something that would please Jesus for that. Uh, one of the things I love about our church is in, in the not quite five years we've existed, we have uh, our little small group has uh, spent $7,000 on a well in Africa. Uh, we have built a house in Nicaragua. Actually, uh, Pete's already working up uh, where we may be able to build two houses in Nicaragua during spring break. Um, and so we're looking at doing some things. And tithing sermon happened as a result of that. Because I'm not going to encourage you to give less. I want to talk about what I think tithing is really all about. Typically, the scripture would appear behind me. But uh, we're doing big, several big passages of scripture. And I didn't know which one to pick as the main one. So what I'm going to ask is this instead. Your bulletin, which would normally have the scripture there. So just in case you didn't have a Bible. Uh, you could look up, has references. I would like for three people to volunteer to read the first three passages. And I know for some of you, you're not used to people speaking up in church. Uh, this is not uncommon. Um, so would somebody volunteer? I see, no, I don't see a hand. I thought it, okay, I do see two hands. Um, Julian, I saw yours first. I see three hands. Never mind. I'm sorry, Debbie, you're, you're playing drop, so it's okay. Um, if you'll read the first one which should be uh, from Leviticus. No, it's from Numbers, excuse me. 
uh, the first Deuteronomy one, and Elliot, if you'll read the second Deuteronomy one. Okay, they're actually the same passage, but they hit two different points. So, we're going to talk. Whoops. About tithing. And we're going to specifically hit these three passages of Scripture. I would encourage you to keep your Bibles open and read that, okay? If I bore you, read the Bible. It won't offend me at all. I'll be pleased that you're reading the Bible. Um, So, uh, Juliana, would you read the first passage? Would you stand up and turn around so everyone can hear you? Just those two verses. Just those two verses. You can read, obviously, please read the the part in in between. It's just they don't fit as much on the tithe there. They kind of explain a little bit. Yes. No, I'm sorry. Just read the two verses. Just 21 and 24. Okay, thank you. Now, one of the things you're going to notice is that the, the ancient Near Eastern Jews, they tithed a lot. And if you're wondering what the word tithe means, somebody want to shout out what it means? Yeah, it's just a fancy way of saying 10%. It's a tenth. That's it. Uh, and what they do is they would give a tenth several times. Okay, uh, One was this one, which would be known as the Levitical or sacred tithe. And this one went for the support of those who were actually working in the temple, the religious clergy uh, effect, uh, not effect, but people. Okay? It was there to support them because, unlike everyone else in Israel, all the other Israelites had property. And the Levitical class, the priestly class, did not have property. So God was saying, all right, I want you to give one-tenth of, of what you have here, and I want you to, to you know, support them. I'm not trying to encourage you to give me one-tenth of what you have. I've seen some of your stuff. I don't want it. Um, but <laughs> just a joke. <laughs> Um, actually, I'll take y'all's Subaru, though. I like the new one. So, um, actually, I don't know what one-tenth would be. One of the tires. Okay. <laughs> That'll do us both a lot of good. Um, so, it was there to support because it's really hard to have a clergy class if they don't ever have any income at all and they don't have any property to make income off of. I have another job in addition to this church. Actually, thanks to Mark because he was the one who put it on Facebook and I applied as a result of it. But that's primarily where most of my my support comes from. Um, the Levites needed to be supported. The priests needed to be supported. So God says, give a tenth. But he didn't just say that. So often, if you were raised in churches like, oh, we tithe, this was the starting point. If you go to a restaurant and you tip, what's the minimum? Yeah, actually, it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> Did you say zero? Two. Okay. <laughs> 15% is what I usually hear, and you give past that if you want. We're not tipping God. Please don't ever consider this like a tip to God. But the tithe was not like, ah, everything's done. It was, this is the starting point. So you had this one tithe that was the Levitical or the sacred tithe. Emily, would you please? What? Yeah, you need to stand up, and you need to turn around, because don't read it to me. Did you say stand up? Exchange your tithe for silver and silver will be 
to a place the Lord your God will choose. You shall still bring the fire whenever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, and other fermented things are unclean to you. Then you and the household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Okay, so this one is actually a little different. If you've ever heard of the Passover, uh, lots of the other feasts and such, uh, what God is saying here is, take a tenth of your increase and bring it to Jerusalem to, to eat it in front of me. Literally, what he's saying is, I want us to have this huge party together. I mean, that's what it is. Think of, if, if somebody said, you know what, every year we're going to take a tenth of our increase and we're going to do a vacation on it, but it's going to be a vacation with God. That's what's happening here. He's saying, take it and go to Jerusalem, that place where I have put my dwelling. Go to Jerusalem and there eat it in front of me. We so often think of, of, of Jesus going to Jerusalem for the Passover as this rather boring and bland thing. But imagine the biggest barbecue you've ever, ever experienced in your life. One of the things I love is I love fairs. And I love fairs just because of the food, okay? You can fry anything at a fair and it just is amazing. I love that. Imagine if church was, you come here and some some of you are vegetarians and I'm sorry it just doesn't work. Frying vegetables on the grill just does not smell as good as frying frying flesh. No, no, it tastes good, Robin. I know you're a vegan. I know. I like. I love grilled pineapple, but I'll never walk up and go, hmm. Somebody's grilling pineapple. <laughs> okay, I love the taste of it. But you know how when you smell, you smell, you know, you know it's a nice steak being grilled? Oh, I just saw a head shake in the back. Apparently not. Oh, <laughs> you want to make my day? Just say, Robert, we're grilling steaks and I've got a ribeye for you. And I'll just, oh. And then if you want to ruin my day, overcook the ribeye. <laughs> but literally what God is saying here is, Take a tenth and come and eat it before me. Worship and, and party together. Now, quite often what we do in churches, we'll take that and go, oh, God wants us to have a vacation. We'll have a vacation. We're just going to pay to go to Door County and that's our tithe. That's not what he's saying. This is before God. This is, this is not like, oh, I just want to go to Vegas. <laughs> you don't want to go to Vegas. I went to Vegas when I was 13. When I was 13, do you know what a 13-year-old can do in Vegas? Yes. <laughs> This is the worst vacation ever. This was, imagine if we, and we considered this, doing an all-church retreat. And it was saying, part of my offering to God is that I'm spending money on this so that I can be around His people. It was a legitimate offering. It was one-tenth. And then the next one. Elliot, would you read it, please? So, what's said here is this is actually is a tithe for the poor. And God said, every three years, take one-tenth of, of all you have and give it together. As a body of believers, give it together and put it aside for the poor. Imagine what we could do, even, even here. I'm, think of the income we have here. As young as many of you are, if every three years our group just said, we're going to take one-tenth of our, our net worth and we're going to put it aside to take care of those who are in need. I think we do a pretty good job as a church already. If we were doing that, we would do so much better. 
See, this was the starting point. If you read the Old Testament, you will see again and again that there are more and more and more offerings. I haven't even gotten into the offerings. When you harvest your grain, you take the first sheath of that and you offer it before the Lord. There are offerings beyond belief. But you had to do this. This was the bare minimum. Why? I think it's because of this. I think, think that these offerings, uh, they, they bring about two things. One, is there an act of worship? Okay, when you sacrifice greatly, it, it causes you to declare worth for whoever you are sacrificing for. What you're saying is, I give this tenth and this tenth and this tenth because God, you are worthy. But I think it also produces this. It is not just thanksgiving, but it's the dependence that comes with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is more than just saying, thank you. I don't know about you, but every now and then somebody will hold a door for me. It actually happened today while my son and I were, were walking into Quick Trip. And uh, somebody held the door. Actually, I held, uh, you held the door for me and then I held the door for you. And my, I was raised to say thank you. I'm not saying thank you in the truest sense of Thanksgiving. I'm not like, I am so thankful that you opened that door for me. And that you have made this passageway for me. I'm just being polite. And sometimes I think we do that with God. But Thanksgiving really is, I recognize that I'm dependent upon you. Sometimes we think of dependence as a bad word, but dependence with God is not a bad word. This is not dependence like like drug dependence. This is dependence as in, he helps me to do still more. And these tithes, they they caused Israel to have to, to go and say, God is worthy and we are dependent upon him. But then they took it and they turned it into a law. And what they did instead of causing them to to rely upon God and trust in God, what instead happened was it became something where it was, I do this and my check mark is done. Anybody here like to do checklist? Some of of us in the room definitely do. My wife definitely does. You know, why do you like doing the checklist? Exactly. Your checklist doesn't cause you to go through the day going, my day is so wonderful. Instead, it's, I got this done, I got this done, I got this done. And what happened were these ties were turned into checklists. If you are a good follower of Yahweh, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Became part of those 613 laws that we talked about a few weeks ago. 613 mitzvahs, 613 laws in the Old Testament that you had to follow. That's an incredible list to have to do. So what does the New Testament say? Well, I think that Jesus basically means what he says. And he tells us the law is not abolished, but it is fulfilled. All right, I just met you guys. And I I, I know you kids are like, oh, please don't bring me into this. But that's what I do, which is why guests never come back. Yes, Pete, you're right. I should leave them alone. Okay, so I will. (laughs) So, Allison. Allison... You're a great student, right? Yeah, yeah she's a good student. <laughs> but I know she's a good sound person. Because I have, I've been at an event that I was speaking at that she was doing the sound for. You weren't this, time, this past Monday, though. So uh, I speak at InterVarsity every now and then on campus. And last year, and I think the year before, you did both. So, but she does it, and she does an exceptionally good job. If I tell her... Well, actually, not if I tell her. If she tells me, hey, Robert, the cost for the sound equipment is this. Because if we were to go in and uh, use the room, the encore room in there, uh, we'd have to pay for the sound equipment. 
If, she said, the cost for the sound equipment is 200 bucks. Is that about accurate? There we go. It's 200 bucks. She said, but Aaron's already paid for it. And I said, well, that's stupid. I'm paying for it also. That would be rather dumb, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If, if it's already fulfilled, you don't have to do it again. Doesn't mean that you, you, you can't. It means you don't have to. And there's a huge, huge difference there. Jesus Christ says that he has fulfilled the law, which is why Galatians 5, 1, that's right behind me, says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And it sounds so stupid to say it's for freedom that you have been set free because you would think we know freedom, we're supposed to be free. But instead what we do is we take Christ's freedom and we start turning it into laws. You're supposed to tithe this much at church. And it becomes good Christians give 10% of, of their income. Now, I do think you should tithe, okay? I, actually, that's not true. I think you should give offerings. There's a difference. But you don't have to. If you don't give to anything that Tapestry is doing, I'm not going to think bad about you because I'm not even going to know. It, it's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm not going to be like, Elliot, he's a bad person because he's bald and he doesn't give to the church. Actually, you're bald by choice, so it's okay. <laughs> See, Christ set us free. We are no longer held to a law of you have to tithe. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't give offerings. Jesus talked to, to the Pharisees probably the most uh, of all of those who kind of opposed him. I think that's because he was probably the most like them because theologically he is not exactly like a Pharisee, but his, his uh, teachings have more in common with Pharisees than they do Sadducees or Essenes, two other groups. He says this to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So what what does Jesus say about their tithes there? He says, you should do it, but that's not it. In this case, they were using the fact that they were tithing to be an excuse to not have to take care of their parents. Now, Maybe your parents bother you. Maybe you're like, yeah, one day you're going to be dependent upon me and you're not getting anything. Could be, you know, you think back and you're like, hey, that cell phone I really wanted, you didn't get it. And when you're old and decrepit, you're in depends all day long. Maybe that's what you think. I don't know. But what I know is God wanted his, these Pharisees to take care of their parents as a part of following him. And they were using this tithe as an excuse to not take care of their, their parents. See, God wanted them to do one thing and he wanted them to do the other thing also. And they used the law as an excuse. So, what I'm about to say is not to put some burden on you. I think you've been freed. Okay? I think Christ has fulfilled the law, therefore you giving money. It, it has a spiritual value, but the spiritual value is not making you right with God. The spiritual value has to do with the way it shapes us. It has to do with the way it shapes us to follow Jesus. But it has nothing to do with this is your religious duty. You're free. Jesus talks about this and he says, you know, they tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to me. This is not a load. 
That's why I'm not asking you to give anything tonight. You're actually going to be surprised by the ending. Except some of you who have been here before know what's going to happen because we did it once before. Yeah, Pete's like, yeah. (laughs) My favorite thing we've ever done. This is why I think tithing is important. This is the Google search. Most of you who have been here before know I love Google images. I use the safe search on it, but I love Google images because I think you remember an image much much more than you'll remember my words. So if I can connect an image with those words, it helps you to remember it. Um, and when you do a Google image search of worship, this is the type of stuff that comes up. What, what, what's in common there? They're singing, their hands are up. And, and does that have anything to do with worship? something it can when we sang a little while ago some of you are like i'm standing that's not a bad thing hopefully our singing is an act of worship hopefully when we sing each each week it is an act of worship because let's face it with with me playing guitar there if it is not an act of worship it's really stupid for you to be here because my fingers are burning and you probably heard the three or four times I missed the chord while I was playing there. And I get way too much into, you have done great things for you. I'm not a singer and I love that part. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> Y'all are probably like, oh, Robert. If it's about declaring words, that's a great thing. But worship is not just that. It actually comes from the old English word, which is this, which is pronounced worship. Um, and it just means to declare the worthiness. Some of you who are here regularly, you, you probably have noticed that I will say, let us declare how worthy he is together. And I'll, I'll bring that in a lot. I do not refer to our singing as worship. If you go back and look at our little program we use to put the lyrics up there, it says singing one. Actually, first singing and second singing, right? Yeah. Because it drives me nuts when people refer to singing as worship. Because it limits it. Now, singing is a form of worship. It can be a form of worship. But it is by no means the only form of worship. Not sure it's the best form of worship. It's really good at, at you know, shaping our emotions. But I don't think God's just wanting us to sing to Him. That's right. Every now and then you'll run into some churches where somebody you know, is a worship pastor. And I'm like, shouldn't every pastor be a worship pastor? <laughs> Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing is declaring the worthiness of God? Not just this one guy who plays guitar and has a goatee, which I do have. I'm not sure you could call what I was doing playing guitar, but you know what I mean there. Now, I don't say that to cut on these other churches. I've been a part of them before. But I think so often we forget worship is about declaring the worthiness. Living out the worthiness. I've heard it said before, many of you have probably heard it said before also, that I can tell what is important to you if I can look at two things. If I can look at your calendar and I can look at your finances. I I think it's just a great way to describe it. Because if you think about it, this is true of people your age, people my age. If Jan was here, people Jan's age. We have one senior adult in the whole church. Uh, If Jan was here, you know, it's true there. What we spend our money on is kind of what's important to us. What what we spend our time on is what's important to us. Anybody here hey, you know you, that you have something you're real passionate about and you've talked with somebody else who talks about like how they're passionate about it also but they never spend any time or money on it whatsoever? Photography is kind of a big one right right now because if you buy a digital camera suddenly you're a photographer. 
I can do your wedding. Of course. Have you practiced? No, but I have a really good camera. (laughs) Still doesn't work. See, if all you do is sit on TV, you're not a photographer. You're, you know, a, a couch potato. If you were to look at what you spent your money on and what you spent your time on, what does that say about what you think is worthy? I think our, our calendars and our money reflect who we really trust in. Who we really say, this is worth my time. This is worth my effort. This is worth my blood, sweat, and tears. When everything falls apart, this is what I count on. Maybe that's why we have in God we trust on our money. Because that's really our God. So, I think our tithes and our offerings, and this is not the end, but this is to get to the point. Our tithes and our offerings shape what we declare is worthy. That when we give money to God via His church, but also through other activities, when we give that money to God, what we are saying is, God, you are more important than the money and the resources I have, and I trust in you rather than it. And if you just give 10% because you're like, this is my little check mark, that does not reflect worship. That reflects duty. It does not reflect worship. I've been around some people before who would not come to church on Sunday unless they gave some type of offering. Because they were like, I have to give an offering. God doesn't want you to have to give an offering. He wants you to give an offering because you are saying, God, you're more important than this. Sometimes tithing is easy. Sometimes it's difficult. I keep on finding myself speaking, bouncing back into tithing because we've developed that as a church so much. And what I really mean is offering. There are times in our lives where we should give 40 and 50%. And there are times in our lives where 2% is more than we could possibly ever imagine to give. And it is this huge act of trust to do it. See, when we do that, that is declaring how worthy God is. So, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for Tapestry? And I have... I have a thought for you. Now, some of you have seen this slide before. You've, you've definitely heard me mention it before. I actually would change it now because I, I'm afraid that when I say don't just go to, the, uh, don't go to the church, be the church, what I'm telling people is don't go to the church. And that's not what I mean. <laughs> I love Sunday nights. I love our church. I love being with you guys. So I would, I would do this, okay? I would say don't just go to church. We are not the church in the organization. We are not the church just when we meet on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. from 6 p.m. to 7, 15 p.m. That is not just the church. We are the church as the body of, of believers. We are the church as the body of Christ. So, we tithe to the church. This is $350 in $5 bills. It's so easy for us to say... That we are the church, but so often we don't treat it that way. Sometimes people give their money to the church so that the church organization will do God's work and they don't participate in it at all. That's not declaring how worthy God is. That's not declaring our trust in Him. So if we're going to say that the church is the body of believers every now and then, 
we should tithe to the body of believers. In tapestry, where we don't ever have any creative names for anything at all, because every time I try, it ends up being a really stupid name. <laughs> we call this the reverse tithe. So this is 350 bucks. It's what the leadership team said. Hey, let's take that and let's do this. And this is what I want to encourage you to do. This is the offering tonight to the church. And I'm going to fluctuate this because the bank lady told me, it's like, some of these are really new bills, which means they stick together. (laughs) Pete's like, that's fine. I got sticky fingers. (laughs) So, this is what I encourage you to do. And guess, this is just as true for you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are part of the church. I want you to go this week and act as the church. I want you to grab that money and I want you to spend it on something that is Christ-honoring. Now, this is what happened last time. One, one member of our group had a neighbor who, who needed a screen door and they could not afford to replace the screen door. And so they got people together and they replaced the screen door. My personal favorite thing, most of you know that I go to MEJ's almost every day of the week and I know all the baristas there. And one of the baristas said, Robert, did you do something weird at Tapestry last night? Because everybody who's walked in from Tapestry has bought somebody else's drink. I'm not saying that's what you should do. Here's what I'm saying you should do. The 25th chapter of Matthew is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In it, Jesus, actually it's, it's an analogy, so the person's supposed to represent Jesus. This hasn't happened yet. He divides the, the sheep on his right. Actually, this is definitely the wrong side because Pete's on this side. But <laughs> the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And this is the wrong side because my wife is on this side. <laughs> And he, he looks at the sheep and he says, enter your rest, you know, my beloved. Um, he, and he says, you know, you've earned this. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was, was I'm sorry, sorry, I'm Southern. When I was naked, um, you, you clothed me. When I was in sick and in jail, you visited me. Does anybody know what they say to him? When did we do that? And his response is this. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he looks at the goats and he says basically the opposite. I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything. I was, was nude. You didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You didn't visit me. And they say, when did we not do this for you? And he says, whenever you didn't do it for the least of me. The least of these, you didn't do it for me. This is what I want you to do this week. See, I'm convinced we see Jesus when we start looking for Jesus. When we start looking for him around, we see him in his most disgusting disguises. We see him in areas that we never expected to see him. And you need and I need to declare that he is worthy by using the tithe in a way that says, you're worthy. So the offering tonight... Is to us to use for Him. So before I end, does anybody have anything that needs to be added? Yes, sir, Pete? Yes. I, actually, I don't know if it's the only place in the Bible because uh, He allows Gideon to, but He definitely says to test him there. So, and see if you can outgive me. See, 
Please don't hear me saying you shouldn't tithe. What I'm saying is, is we get to. There's a huge difference. You don't have to. You get to. And when we do it, we declare that he's worthy. Anybody else? Okay. Then I am, I know for those of you who are new, this is, this is odd. You probably have not experienced this. I am deadly serious. Actually, that's not right. I'm not going to hunt you down and kill you. If... <laughs> I went to church. I didn't take the $5 bill and the pastor's been chasing me ever since then. I am sincere about this. Okay, not deadly serious, but I am sincerely serious about this. Any money you don't take, I'm going to take and I'm going to use in a way that glorifies God. What I would encourage you to do. There's 350. Uh, we're a little low tonight because uh, of, of Drew's bachelor party. I would encourage you to take whatever you think you can spend to glorify God. Some of you may have legitimate needs. I, I'm not asking you to take this for your needs. I'm asking you to take this so that you can give this to God so you can use the money that you would have given to God for your needs. Okay? If somebody in the room knows that somebody else has a need, that's a great way to spend this tithe. But this is a chance for you to take that money and to treat somebody who looks like they could just use a cup of coffee. To treat somebody who looks like they could use something from... I was going to say McDonald's. Please don't eat at McDonald's, okay? And Culver's. <laughs> Culver's is much better than McDonald's, okay? So, uh, much. Guys, ladies, gents, use this in a way that glorifies God. And I don't know what those will be around you. But I believe they'll be there. So please take every last dime and make sure this week you use it. And then what I would love is next week I'd love to hear how the church used his money. So we're going to pray. William's going to play a video and then we're going to sing a few more songs to remind each other and remind ourselves that he's worthy. Would you pray with me please? Father, this week, help us to see your son and help us to respond to him. May we respond as the body of Christ. May we respond as the church. And may we, may we do with his money things that declare that he is worthy. May somebody this week believe that you have performed a miracle because of the way your church spends the money that you've given us. May somebody this week be pointed towards you because of the way the church spends the money that you have given us. When we are doing this and we are declaring that you're worthy, help us declare it in such a way that we remember it and we trust. I pray this in the name of the one who freed us from the law, but he freed us to do so much more. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. William's going to show this video when we sing, Church, take the tithe. Um, people not understanding worship and turning it into schmaltz. Well, I use that word as a really broad definition of bad things. Um, and bad things for various reasons. For example, what might be schmaltz might be singing old hymns just because these have always been our hymns and we always use these hymns. And these hymns mean so much to us that we always use them, but nobody really pays attention to what they mean anymore. It's just, this is a familiar sound, and so 
but uh, schmaltz could also be contemporary music just to be rebellious and just to say your hymns don't mean anything because they've got the wrong rhythm and they use a different kind of accompaniment so schmaltz can come from both sides schmaltz can come from anybody who's hypocritical which could mean all of us no matter what style of worship we use um, I wrote my books on worship to try to get away from um, not thinking about what we do in worship and thereby winding up with worship just because people like this and because people like it doesn't necessarily mean that's what would please God and what God would please be pleased by would be pure hearts and clean hearts and minds and minds devoted to him um, God wants ourselves in our worship and too often we're obstructed to get from giving God ourselves so